We're in this series, and the topic of the series, if you can read the screen behind me, is peace. And we kind of, kind of, a, I don't know, you might feel like, well, that's just a little cliche thing for Christmas. It's not. It really isn't. This is something that I really have been praying for, for you, especially for this season, but not only this season, the rest of the year and the new year, that you would begin to experience peace, not only in your own life, but in your family. That you would begin to experience God's peace in your family. And I've been praying for you every day this week as I prepared for this Sunday, and not only this one, next Sunday as well, uh, that you wouldn't just be, it wouldn't just be this, this comfortable or, or this easy thing where you come on a weekend and you have a, a nice little moment and you say, well, that was nice, then you go back, but that there actually would be change, that God would begin to speak into your life. Not that it was something I would do, not that it's something the music would do, nothing like that, but that you would actually see a lasting change. You actually see peace in your life this year. That it would be something that you receive, something that you experience, something that God does in your life. And so last week we talked about peace on earth. Uh, and some of you came up to me this week and said, I ruined some Christmas carols for you. So I apologize for that. I just, I go ahead and apologize. You can still sing them, all right, everybody? You can still sing those Christmas carols, all right? They're just kind of weird. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there, a little strange. But you can sing them, all right? You can have, a, you have, your, have your fun. But we talked about last week how there's that phrase that we always associate with Christmas, where it's the announcement of the birth of Jesus. It was glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men, or goodwill to men on whom God's favor rests. And so we talked about that last week, that God didn't come to bring peace to the earth. He came on earth to bring peace. And there's a differentiation. You can listen to that. It's online if you want to watch that message. But we talked about that, how he came on earth to give peace. Because if the expectation is to find peace somewhere on earth, if that's your expectation, you're going to be waiting a really, really long time. 3,400 years, in the past 3,400 years of history, there have been 14,351 wars. 14, let that sink in. In the last 3,400 years, 14,351 wars. 3.6 billion people have died in those wars. 3.6 billion people have died. Over the course of those 14,000 wars, there have been 8,000 peace treaties signed. 8,000. Guess how many of them have lasted and been effective and actually worked? None of them. None of them. Because the earth can't bring you peace. Only God can bring you peace. Only God can actually bring lasting peace into your life. It's in the middle of your earth. God wants to give you incredible peace. John 14 is our verse from last week. In John chapter 14, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift. So this is Jesus talking. He said, I brought you a gift. And I just want to say something. I know this sounds like just another cliche thing that a pastor just says at Christmas. It's not. But I really believe that this year, that on December 26th, when you go back to work and someone asks you, well, hey, what'd you get for Christmas or what'd you do? That you can talk about the presents you got and all the rest of that thing. But when you ask yourself that question, when you actually reflect on the season, you say, okay, what actually happened during this Christmas? When everything dies down and all the craziness is over, I really believe that when you ask yourself that question, you're going to be able to say, okay, I experienced peace this Christmas. That God actually gave me peace this Christmas. That my circumstances may not have changed one bit, but I had peace. That I had peace inside of me that nothing else, no circumstance, no person could take from me. I really believe that can happen for you this Christmas. And there's a gift, and it's free. Jesus is saying, I bring you this gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace that I give isn't fragile like the peace that the world gives. And so don't be, and this is, this is something I feel is my job, is to communicate things that God wants to say to you. Out of his word, to communicate those things on a Sunday, to give that to you. This is what he's saying, so don't be troubled and don't be afraid. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. He wants to give you a gift of peace. Because today I want to deal with one specific area. We touched on it last week. It's one of the points of last week. And so today I just want to kind of fill it out for the rest of the sermon. And that is, where do we lose peace? 
Where is it that we lose peace? I mean, where if we're if we're not having peace, if we don't have it in our lives, why aren't we peaceful? And it's simple. It's boiled down to one word, and that is people. It's people. Come on. How many know the world would be better when all these people just go on? Come on. How many how many expect it's people that are robbing us of our peace? It's those people, not us. Right. Not us. Just it's those people, those people. If we just get those people out of our lives, that's where our peace is going to. Because I promise you, no matter how good your day is going, you can run across a person who can snatch it all away from you in just an instant. No matter how peaceful your life is, you can run across and you'll come across a person. Now, I'm going to tell a story. I told this a couple of years ago. And that's why I apologize to those with perfect memories. You remember this, right? You're probably thinking of this as story number 23. You just know all the stories, all right? You just know. But I think it's funny. And so I think it illustrates how quickly it can happen. Because a couple of years ago, we were kind of in full-blown construction mode here on the church campus uh, at the academy and the tent buildings up at the front. Just full on everything we could do. And so it kind of screwed up how we did carpool at the school. It kind of made it kind of nice. It's, it's crazy right now, but you have no idea two years ago, right? It was, you just didn't even approach the campus around three o'clock. It just was terrible. And so they would line up to pick up their kids and sometimes it would stretch out onto Flannery. And so you'd have people just down Flannery, just parked in line to get their kids, right? They do it. And so what some parents started doing is they started pulling into the church parking lot up here and they would park at this little lot we have by the fellowship hall near the road. They would park. There's only about 10 spots. Uh, and they park their car, they get out, walk and get their kid, walk back and get in their car and leave. And that was quicker than waiting in the carpool line. We weren't crazy about it, but you do what you have to do, right? You just got to do what you got to do. They tried sneaking across the field to steal their kid out of there. It was just, it was a mad time, all right? It was just a crazy time. Well, one day we had just finished a project back at the school. We had just finished and it was a great day, right? We had finished something. Just, I don't know if you were around then. We had finished something and it was a good day. So we're singing. We're having a great time. We got all the scrap two by fours and plyboard and everything from there, cleaned it up. And we're going up to the fellowship hall to store it. And so we get up there and I've got two trucks, one with a big load and one that we're kind of stepping down the pieces of wood because they're heavy. Come on, somebody. It was just a, it was a heavy day. And so we blocked one end of that little parking lot. And it's no matter. There's another way out. So all the parents who had done that, they're just pulling back, backing up and going out that way. Except for one sweet lady. Except for one lady. So I'm, I'm in the middle. I had gotten a piece of plyboard stuck between the two trucks, right? Three quarter, four by eight sheet. Come on, somebody. It was heavy. We're getting this thing stuck. I couldn't try to, try to move it. And I heard behind me this voice right behind me. I'm going to pick up my grandson. And when I come back, you're going to move. And I turned around to a finger right in my face. You ever, you ever just experienced just a finger just looking at me right here and just meanness looking back at me, all right? Just mean. And so I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, you know, we're kind of unloading this kind of stuff. But if you just back up your car, you can actually go. And she said, no, you ever had that happen to you. It's not a yes or no question. It's just just no. And I, I would like to tell you, I know you wish you had a pastor who would say just, oh, my child, let me move my truck. God bless you today. Just God. I didn't. <laughs> I picked up one of those two by fours. No, I, I didn't I didn't do anything. All right? I couldn't I didn't even know what to say. I just turned back and just kept working. All right. And she went. <laughs> I didn't know where I was. I don't know what was happening. But she came back with her grandson and they're about to get in the car and she shouted something at me. And I don't know exactly what it was. I think if I cleaned it up for church, it wouldn't be a sentence. All right. Everybody just would. But she shouted, shouted something at me and got in her car. And I turned around. And as I did, she backed her car up about a foot away from one of these stucco pillars. You know, that outline around the church, those stucco pillars backed it up. And then she looked at me. And then she rammed her car straight into that pillar as fast as bam, just straight into it. And that poor little grandson, his eyes are about as big as dinner plates, just looking at me, just 
And then she put it in drive and she pulled out. And I thought, what world have I stepped into? Like, where, where am I? What bizarro world am I living in? Because it happens just that fast. That you're just going along your day. Something great has happened. You are peaceful in your life. And then people just show up, right? Just people. I'm not going to tell you her name, all right? I'm not going to tell you in case some of you know her. People. They just show up. The reality is we live in a world that is grouchy and contentious and mean. And they are looking, just in an instant, they are looking to steal your peace. They're looking to steal your joy. I had it happen to me again this week, something where somebody called me just all upset. Just somebody called me all upset about somebody else and they didn't have their facts right and they did, and they just attacking and doing and just, just going. And I had, I had moments in my, where I'm, I was having a good day. I was having a really good day until that phone call. Until they just decided, and, and I went around for a couple of hours, I'm walking around thinking, man, they just, they didn't know and they don't, they don't actually know that. And it was just this, this thing. And, and I know, even in that moment, I knew that it wasn't, it, it was a misunderstanding and somebody and hurt people will try to hurt people. I understand that. I understand where it's just, it's just something, but I was upset. I was upset for that person. I was upset at that person. I was, I was just upset. I had a couple hours. You know, David wrote, King David wrote a psalm, an entire psalm about how mean people are. About how he did, couldn't stand, he wrote a few psalms, but this one's kind of short. Psalms 120, he starts it off, and he just starts off the psalm saying, I am in distress. Like my soul is distressed, I'm messed up, I'm distressed. He says, too long, O God. And he's singing this, I'm not going to sing it for you, but he's actually, these are songs, alright? He's singing, too long, O Lord, have I lived among those who hate peace. He said, I am for peace, I'm a man of peace, but when I speak, they're all for war. He said, I love peace, but when I speak, everybody around me is for war. How many have experienced that in your life? Well, you've got coworkers at your workplace that, man, you just, they don't want peace in anything. They just want to stir something up. They just say, how many have that? If you don't have that, you might be that coworker, all right? How many have, how many have family members where it's just, they, they never want peace. They just want to stir something up. They just want to have, they just want to have war, always stirring. You might say, well, I live in a nation, right? Some people say, well, government can't get anything done. Washington and the rest of them, they just hate each other. They just, there's no peace. They just all want war. We live among nations. All those thousands and thousands of war. We just live among nations that are always at war. And he says, I'm this man of peace. And so it makes it almost unbearable to live on this earth. David goes on to say, he says, it's almost unbearable. Now, what we would like and what you would like for me is you would like for me to teach you a sermon and say, okay, give me a sermon then on conflict resolution. And I've taught those. I've taught those on conflict. Well, that's not today. Because there are tools and gifts and abilities. There are verses and there are places in God's work about that where you can kind of pacify war between two parties. Well, that's not today. That's not today. I'm going to assume for today's message that we never, that we never get along. I'm going to assume just for today's message because in those 3,400 years of recorded history, we've had 14,000 wars. We're averaging over four wars a year. And some of them, most of them last longer than a year. So we're always at war somewhere. We're always having a war somewhere. We're constantly at it. So then the question of this peace series, the question of this, then can we have peace anyway? Can we have it anyway? If we're always at war, if we always have those, can we have peace? And the answer is yes. Today, I want to show you out of God's word. I just want to show you out of his scripture. If your family never gets along, if they never play ball, if your coworkers get meaner, come on, somebody, if your boss gets more demanding. If I-12 gets busier, come on, it will this time of year. If, if, if nothing, if that, none of that plays, you're still going to be all right. You're still going to have peace. You're going to have peace. You know, in 1945, the UN was formed, United Nations, it was formed. And one of their stated goals, I want to read it for you, one of their stated goals was to provide peace for all succeeding generations. Talk about failing miserably. 
Come on, somebody talk about it. it just hasn't even happened. I mean, God bless them for their efforts, but it just never, man, just that expectation. One lady said it this way. Let me put it. She said, peace is that glorious moment in history where everybody stops fighting to reload. Come on, somebody just. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So what do we do about all that? What do we do about that in our lives? I want to show you the progression before we get into the truth about what we actually need to do. I want to show you the progression so you can see where it comes from. And maybe stop it before it gets too far. All right. So write these down. The first one, first progression, when we're working this way into this kind of thing, the first one that happens is a distance. The first thing that happens in us is a distance, some kind of a distance. It's a distance in ideas, a separation. It happens so often in our marriages. It happens with our kids where you have this distance of ideas, not geographical or a physical distance, but a distance in ideas or in thought where you think one way, I think another. And so now there's a distance between us. It's in thought and belief and attitude. And what happens with distance and a lot of people when they don't deal with it, and most people don't, the next thing that happens is we begin to put up barriers or we begin to put up protective things around us that we think are good for us. We begin to put those so no one will ever mistreat us again. We throw up walls. And because of that distance, we start to throw. We say, well, no one's ever going to do that to me. And so no one will ever be able to mistreat me like that. And so I'm going to throw up a wall. I'm never going to let anybody cause some of you have put walls around your heart. Some of you have placed walls around you because of somebody or some person. You placed those walls around you. You have that distance. Some of you have put walls between you and God. You have that distance of thought. Where you say, well, I thought that God was supposed to do this, but he did that. And so I don't want that anymore. And you put up a wall between the two of you. And walls, if not dealt with, always go to the third place, and that is escalation. So if we don't deal with it, and most people don't deal with it, they go to escalation. That is when there is a simple problem. By the way, most of the time, it is pretty simple what people are fighting about. The simple problem becomes bigger. And what actually happens is, when we see this all the time, what actually happens is people begin to believe a lie. You see it all the time in people that you're right. We all see it. The person who's in it never sees it. But it's grown to this proportion where it was something simple to begin with, but now it's almost unmanageable because it wasn't dealt with. It wasn't dealt with in the correct way. And so it's escalation. And you start to believe something that isn't true. It's a lie. And the lie is one of the greatest tools that the enemy has against us. Will it get you to believe something that isn't even true, which leads to that next phase. And that is false belief. False belief where you just begin to see. And this one is the most concerning to me as a pastor. Because you can't even help somebody when they won't even believe what is true and what isn't. And they'll even use scripture to back up the way that they feel or the way that they're, they're seeing. And they'll say, well, that person did this or they did that. And I'm just not going to deal with that. And they'll begin to do that. And they can't handle. And they believe into the lie. They believe into the lie. Well, I, I just I can't handle when they do this. And, and, you know, they always do that and they never do that. Come on, somebody. And they begin to believe the lie. And they think, well, the grass is green. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence, everybody. All right. And if it is, the water bill is higher. Come on, somebody. It's just... In other words, you haven't dealt with the root problem of what's actually happening. It's a false belief. And false belief always produces hostility. It always goes to the next stage. And hostility. Now I'm upset. And there's something interesting. Now you have to catch this about hostility. Because hostility isn't the emotion that you feel toward the other person. Hostility is not that emotion you feel. Actually, hostility becomes the condition of your own soul. When you let it get this far and there's hostility there, it becomes the condition of your own soul. That way you've let that person now get into. And now the way that you're feeling, you're not at peace. You're not at rest within your own soul. You're not even at peace with God. You've got this hostility. Some of you today are in hostility. And I would ask it that way. If you're saying, well, am I in that or not? Am I in this stage? I would ask it that way. Are you at peace in your soul? Is your soul at rest? Because I had a lot of moments this week. I had, I had several moments after that call that my soul was not at rest. 
that I wasn't at peace. David prayed another psalm and he said, why so disturbed within me, O my soul? He's kind of fussing at himself. He says, well, why, why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. In other words, he knew, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do, but I can't do it because my soul is not at rest. I can't do what I'm supposed to do because my soul is not at peace within me. You let hostility build up, it will become the condition of your soul. And by the way, this message today is dedicated to those who aren't at peace in their souls. You say you want to be, I truly believe that God can give you that. That God can change you, that you can walk away change in like just a few minutes. Like by the end of today, you can have that change within you that you can be at rest in your soul. And finally, hostility, when you get to the end of the progression, it just leads to war. It leads to all out war. And are you ready for this? Some of you are at war with yourself. Some of you are at war with other people. And some of you, I'm just going to say something this morning. And sometimes when I'm preparing a sermon, sometimes I'll put something in and I'll scratch it out and I'll take it out. And then I'll put it back in because I think it might be too confrontational or maybe it's better on a one-on-one basis. But I just want to say something. Even if it doesn't make me popular. I just decided I'm going to go ahead and say it, all right? If you're not at peace within your soul, it means that you're not at peace with God. If you're not at peace within your soul, it probably indicates that there are areas of your life that are not submitted to God. There are areas of your life. It's not fun to hear. It's not fun for myself. I've been preaching to myself this whole week. It's not fun to hear, but it's the reality. It's the reality of our relationship with him that if we're not at peace... Because when I was in that condition this week where I should have responded with care for the person and and just prayer for the guy and compassion, I should have let that happen in me. Instead, I had this all other reaction and it showed where I wasn't submitted. It shows in areas that we're not submitted to God's word when you're not at peace in your own soul. And nobody likes to look at their own soul. We like to fix everybody else's problems. We like to look outward from us. Come on, somebody. And not you, the person next to you, right? I'm just not preaching. I'm not preaching to you. I'm just preaching. I want to show it to you in scripture. James chapter three. Look at this verse. It actually kind of slams us all. So we can just kind of take this as a group. But if you harbor, I like that word there, harbor. If you give place, if you give a position, if you harbor bitterness, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, look what it says. Don't boast about it. Don't act like, you know what? I had the right to. You know what? That happened to me and I had this and I had the right to treat them that way. You don't know what they did. Said, don't boast about it. Trust me, they're wrong, not me. I don't boast about it. Or watch this. Don't boast about it or deny the truth. Don't deny the truth. And I want to give you three truths from God's word today. Three things that I believe will change your life, will guarantee peace in your life. But here's what I want to say ahead of those. There will be people, and I'm praying it's not true, but I understand it will be. There will be people who walk away and say, well, I can't do that. Because of something in your life or some way where you you have that bitterness or that selfishness, whatever it is, or hurt, wherever it is where you say, well, I I can't do that. I can't do that in my life. What you're literally are doing, you're denying the truth that could set you free. It's a truth from God's word. It's not something I made up. It's a truth from God's word that could set you free. So I just want to pray with you. And he says, he says, do you think that's right? The next verse said, or denying the truth, such wisdom, he puts them in the quotation marks there, such wisdom, because he says, does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Can I say there is, there is an accepted wisdom, especially in America, but in our culture today around the world, there is a wisdom that says, you know what, I'm going to get you back for what you did. And we even call it right. It's, it's just become pervasive now. We've kind of forgotten what the Bible has to say about situations like that. And we say, well, because you did that, I'm going to do this. And we call it right. We call it justice. We call it, okay, because you treated me like that, I'm going to treat you like this. So then the question is, how do we settle that? 
He said it's an evil practice. He said, don't let that pervade your life. Don't let what the world calls wisdom, what the world calls right, don't let that be what you call right. Shouldn't be what we do in the church. He says, so then how do we settle that? How do we, how do we settle things like this when things, because these conflicts still arise. So how do we have peace in our heart? Listen, everybody, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to give you the gift of peace. He came to bring it. It's his mission. I'm praying you walk out of today with a supernatural peace that only God can give. That only God has available for you. Ephesians chapter 2. He begins to set it up. He says, remember at that time that you were separate from Christ. Excluded from citizenship into Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. But now. But now. He says, in other words, all that was happening. But now in Christ Jesus. You who once were far away. You were without hope. You were without God in the world. You were far away. You've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. In other words, now that Jesus has come, now that Jesus has come, you ought to be different. Because he's changed your life. Now that he's come and he's brought this message and he's brought this peace, you ought to be different. Let me say it another way. If you were all messed up and you were living in your sin and you were all in darkness and you were there and you received Jesus into your life, you said, I, I need to have him. I've got to accept what he did on the cross. And you receive him in your life. And nothing changes. You probably didn't receive Jesus. Because when he comes in, everything changes. When he comes into your life, listen to me, everybody. Christianity is not a club that you join. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching 63% better than you are responding right now, all right? This is... Man, I'll amen myself right there. Amen. That's just the truth. All right, Christianity is not a country club. It's not something nice that we just kind of come hang out on a Sunday and then everything just happened. It's not some old books and some thing that we just say repetitiously and we just, you know, we just say those and then you're in the club. That's not what Christianity is. There are people. Christianity is a group of people who have literally touched the creator of the universe. Who have literally touched the creator of the universe. And now because he is in our lives, everything has changed. Come on, somebody. Everything has changed. Come on, you want to amen me now? It's too late, all right? It's too late, everybody. You know, just. <laughs> but he says, now in Christ Jesus, back to that last verse. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near for he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. In other words, when you meet God, you meet peace. When you meet Jesus, you meet peace. When you meet him, and look what he does. He not only brings peace between you and him, he's made the two groups one. He's literally made the two one. Ephesians is written, we read that in the last verse, it's written to try to try to, try to meet this, this, this conflict that was going on between the Jews and the Gentiles in this book. He's literally trying to bring peace between. He says that he makes the two one and has destroyed, watch this, the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. It says he's destroyed that. Now that's available for you today. That he can destroy that barrier, that hostility. You say, well, how can I get it? I want to give you three things. Three truths out of God's word. And let me say this at the beginning. None of these are easy. All right, I didn't like make it in order of easiness and try to build up. None of these are easy to do. But I promise you, if you do them, I guarantee peace. Guarantee there can be peace in your life. And here's the first one. You'll never find peace until you make peace. You'll never find peace in your life until you make peace. If you make peace, you find it. Watch this phrase, make peace, meaning we're not just going out and try to act better and try to all get along. That probably won't happen. We're not just going out to try to clean up our act and shape up and then we're just all going to kind of get along and sing together and it's going to be great. It probably won't happen, but we're going to settle in our own heart. We're going to settle in our own hearts today the issues that we have with other people. Settle in our own lives. Let me say it this way. The moment that I felt settled on what I thought about that phone call, the moment I settled in my own heart, and I submitted, I let compassion rule instead of my own reaction to it. I let compassion rule. That's the moment that I had peace. 
moment I decided, okay, this is what's happening. This is actually what's going to happen. And we settled it in our own heart automatically at peace because you cannot have peace if you don't settle the issues with other people. I know it sounds simple, but none of us like to look at it. None of us like to say that to ourselves. I mean, we'll say it to every other person. None of us like to say you'll never be at peace until you settle the issue with other people. You've got to make peace. Show it to you in Scripture. We're going to pick up in James right where we left off in James chapter 3. But the wisdom comes from heaven, first of all. And watch what happens with the wisdom that comes from heaven. Not the wisdom of the earth. Watch what happens when the wisdom. Because the first one is, first of all, pure. So that's your salvation. That's when Jesus has cleansed you. And then watch this. Watch what happens to those who are pure. You become, first thing on there, peace-loving. Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And then I love this next phrase. It says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. They reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, the result of peacemaking is things are made right in you. The result of making peace, I don't know if you caught it, the result of making peace is righteousness. Things are made right. Things are made right in you. And by the way, the flip side of that is true as well. Wherever there is righteousness, the righteousness of God, there is peace. That's God's righteous standard. Whenever you bring God's righteous standard into any situation, there is peace. So if you don't have peace in your marriage, you bring God's righteous standard into your marriage and there is peace in your marriage. You don't have peace in your finances. A lot of people don't have peace in their finances. You bring God's righteous standard into your finances and there is peace. If you bring God's righteous standard, it produces peace. They're, they're very connected. It's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. The word blessed there, there's two words for blessed in your New Testament. In the Greek of your New Testament that it was written. And there are two words for blessed. The first one is materially blessed. That's not the word that's used there. The second word, makarios, is the word that's actually used in this. And it actually means happy. And not like happy, like somebody told you a joke, right? Not that kind of happiness, but a happiness that's on the inside that circumstances can't take from you. So read it that way. Read the verse that way. Happy regardless of what's going on around them are people who make peace. Listen to me, everybody. You want peace in your life. And he goes on to say, those are the people that really get it. Those are the sons of God. You want peace in your life. You want what the mission of Jesus is all about. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants peace in their life. You got to make peace. You've got to make peace in your life. So then the question begs that you're probably asking is, then how do I do that? How do we settle that? And that brings us to the second truth this morning. Here's point number two, and that is you have to make peace through reconciliation. None of these are easy, I promise you this morning. But if you want peace, you've got to make peace through reconciliation. You've got to make it in your life. You make peace through this word. You know what the word reconcile means there? The word reconcile. Anybody, anybody, anybody reconciled your bank statement? Anybody reconcile? Nobody? Nobody reconciled? Anybody this ride? That's a whole other series we're going to do, all right? We're just going to have a whole other. Oh, no, that's where you, that's where at the end of the month you bring all your checks, you bring your checkbook. You can do it in Quicken or QuickBooks or whatever. You can do it old-fashioned pen and paper, right? And you bring the balance to zero. You reconcile the statement. Some of you are saying, I bring my balance to zero at Christmas time. Come on, somebody. You do. It's different than that, all right? If you do the digital version, they give you balloons and fireworks. It's great. It's just an awesome, awesome time when you do that. But you bring the balance to zero. You check off this one. You check off that one. You bring it all. You bring it back. You reconcile it back to zero. See, what I'm not saying, and probably what you're thinking this morning is, okay, Ben, help me resolve the conflict. Help me resolve the conflict that I'm in. Help me to resolve it so I can have peace. I can't guarantee peace there. Because there is a place to resolve the conflict. There is ways and there are verses and there are parts of God's work dealing with resolving the conflict. But I can't guarantee peace there. See, we want conflicts resolved. Resolved means we sit down together and I say what I did right and you say what you did right. And I say what I did wrong and you say what you did wrong. And then we decide, well, I can't live with that and you can't do this. And we come up with a resolution. 
and it's resolved. It's conflict resolution time. Reconcile says take that person and bring the balance to zero. It's not resolution, it's reconciliation. Because resolution is, is easy in some ways. You give, I give, you take, I take, we, we work this thing out. Reconciliation says I take that person and I bring the balance to zero. You say, Ben, you're speaking gibberish today. I just don't even understand. That's why 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love keeps no records of wrong. Love doesn't come to the table with a record of wrong and say this and that and that. Love keeps no records. It brings the balance to zero. Check it out. I'm saying this for you, not for them. I know a lot of the tendency here is to feel like, well, then I'm just on their side. No, no, I'm saying this for you. I want you to have peace. This might not sound Christian to say, I don't care about them. I want you to have peace. I want you to have peace. Check it out. You want peace, make peace. You want to make peace, bring the balance to zero. Bring it to zero. Thank God that's what Jesus did for us. And thank God that that's what he did for us. Thank thank God he reconciled us. He didn't conflict resolution us. Where he said, well, I see all you miserable sinners down there on earth. And I'm just going to teach you how you can be better. And if you shape up and, you know, you start to do these things a little bit better and you work really hard, I might let you into heaven. I might let you into heaven when you show up. No, he took the bunch of knotheads that we were and he wiped the balance out. He wiped the balance completely out. And that's why, that's why no matter where you came from, no matter what darkness God pulled you out of, no matter what sins you committed, when Jesus forgave you, when he wiped the balance clean, you show up in heaven, bill paid, with the balance completely wiped out. You show up in heaven, bill paid, you're allowed in because of what he did. Because of reconciliation. Because you've been reconciled. You've been reconciled. I know that's good preaching. All right. Second Corinthians 5 said, all this is from God. Watch this. All of this is from God who reconciled us, who didn't conflict resolve us, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And watch this part. So he reconciled us through Christ. All this is from God. It's from us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Come on, put that on your fridge, everybody. Everybody likes the first part. We just put the dot, dot, dot and leave out the second. But who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, he's saying, if I did it, then you need to do it. If I did it, then you need to do it. And let me just tell you just a little catch, all right? Here, let me just give you a catch about Christianity, about God forgiving your sins. And that is that God has a really tough time putting up with people who receive it but refuse to give it. They really are time putting up with people who receive forgiveness but refuse to show it. Receive reconciliation but refuse to reconcile. In fact, Jesus even said one time, he said, don't even come to church if you have a problem with your brother. Go and reconcile to him first, then come bring your gift at the altar. Man, this is good preaching. I'm enjoying this myself. One person, one person asked Jesus one time, what is the greatest gift? What is the greatest law of all? And he said, well, I'm going to give you two. The first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's the first one. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why did he give him two? Because the two are related. In First John, it talks about if anybody says, I love God, but they hate their brother, then they're a liar and the truth isn't in them. If anybody says, well, I, I love God, but I just, I just hate, I hate that person. Or I hold this against that person. They're a liar and the truth isn't in them. It says the truth isn't in them. It says God is reconciling the world to himself. He said he's reconciling to himself in Christ. Not counting, he defines it here. Not counting people's sins against them. Not counting people's sins against them. In other words, he's bringing people's balances to zero. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's brought our balance to zero and he's committed. In other words, Christians are supposed to be going out into the world with this message, bringing balances to zero. 
That is our job. That is what we have been called to do. We're going out in this world, not conflict resolution. And I'm not saying there isn't a time to resolve the conflict. There is. I'm not talking about resolving the conflict. I'm talking about your soul being at rest. And we've gotten those so combined, we can't separate them. But I'm not talking about resolving the conflict. I'm talking about your soul being at rest. So go resolve it one day when the circumstances present themselves. When the circumstances are right, go and resolve the conflict. Until then, bring the balance to zero. Until that moment, bring the balance to zero. Romans 12, it says, don't avenge. Leave that for God. You love. Leave room for God's vengeance. Let God take care of that. Your job is to love. I know it can be hard to hear, but come on, somebody. It can be the thing that changes your life. Bring the balance to zero. Bring the balance to zero. Look at me. Let it go. Let it go. I'm not saying call what they did right. It wasn't. I'm not saying act like it didn't hurt. I know it hurt. I'm talking about let your soul be at rest. Let it go. And I promise you, you will sleep better. You will be able to breathe for the first time in years. You got to bring the balance to zero. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And some of you are saying, well, I can't do that. I can't quite grab that. It's a little too hard. And you probably won't be able to until you grasp this third truth. That is, you probably won't be able to reconcile with others until you've been reconciled. You won't be able to reconcile until you've been reconciled. In other words, you have to first receive a zero balance. You have to first have yours brought to a zero balance. And watch this verse with me. I know it's the last fill in the blank in the app, but hang with me. All right. Hang with me today. Here's the verse in Proverbs. It said, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord. So how does that happen? That's your salvation. That's God's righteous standard. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. He makes even his enemies to be. at peace. In other words, you can still have enemies and be at peace. And I know that might sound contradictory to you. You can still have enemies, still be at war, and you can still be at peace in your life. You can still have that. It's what I've been praying all week for you, that you would grasp that. That that can still be around you. Psalms 23, the famous psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. The verse in there says, he, make, he prepares a table for me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table for me right in the middle of my enemies. You wonder what that verse is talking about. It says, when there are enemies around you, you can still be at peace in your soul. God can still provide you peace. God can still give you peace. Even when you're surrounded, he prepares a table for you. That you can grasp that this Christmas. That's what I'm praying for you. That you can grasp that in your life. That even, even when there's things around, even when the world is in turmoil, even when every circumstance around you says that's impossible, you can still have peace in your soul. You can still have this. what I'm praying for you this season. Man, bow your heads with me today. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to pray. I just want to seek the Lord together. I told you last week, you don't need another message. You don't need another song. You need God to actually work in your life. You need God to do a work in your life. So I just want to pray. We're going to let the Spirit of God move. We're going to let the Spirit of God work in this church. We're going to pray that. Because there are some of you, you say, well, I can't do the first or the second. Some of you say, I, I just, I can't handle that because you need to be reconciled. You need to have your balance brought to zero. Now, I'll tell you this today. God, he's not going to barge into your life. Not going to barge his way into your heart. What he'll do is he'll stand at the door and he'll knock. So I really believe that that's in this room. And if you're watching online, that God is doing that right now, that he's standing at the door and he's knocking. And if you say, I want to respond to that. 
that's you, you say, I, I feel he's drawing, I want to respond to that. He's saying, let this be the day that we do it. Let this be the day that you surrender. Let this be the day that you reconcile. And some of you here today, you say, Ben, well, I don't even know if I am in right standing with God. I don't even know if, if where I am with God. Let me just tell you, today, let today be your day. You want to be reconciled. You want to come back to God. It all starts with a prayer of submission. You submit your life to Him. You submit your life. And I just want to pray with you. Those who are coming to God for the first time to be reconciled. Those who are coming back to Him. If that's you, I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you stand up. not make you come to the front. I just want to pray with you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. But if that's you today, you say, count me in on that prayer. I want to be reconciled. I want to be made right with Him. That's you today. Would you just slip up your hand right now? You say, include me in that prayer. Thank you in the back. God bless you. Is anybody else you say, just include me in that. I want to be reconciled. We're just going to pray. So come on, church, we're going to pray with that one. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to pray this, I can give you the words, but you've got to mean it from your heart. So come on, church, let's pray this one with them. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Bring me to a zero balance. I receive what Jesus did on the cross. I give you my life. Say these words, I make you the Lord of my life. Change me. Make me brand new. Lord, I pray right now in this moment, God, that you're overwhelming. Your overwhelming love, Lord, would just rest on us. Lord, that we would recognize that you have reconciled us. That you brought the balance to zero. Lord, that the bill has been paid, that your blood has washed us clean. And so we thank you this morning. We praise you this morning for all that you've done. Lord, I pray that this Christmas time that your peace would rest in our hearts. And that as you have forgiven us, that we would have that ministry of reconciliation. Lord, that there would be reconciliation in our marriages. Lord, with relationships at the office, God. Reconciliation, Lord, in our families. Reconciliation with our children. God, that you would bring, Lord, a peace to our lives. Lord, I pray for peace to fill this church. Lord, that it would be overwhelming in us. That we would be able to say this season at Christmas that we received your gift of peace. That our hearts would be at rest. That our souls would be at rest. I pray that over every person as we go from this place, Lord. Give us the strength. Give us the ministry of reconciliation. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in our hearts. Thank you for what you're going to continue to do all throughout this season into the new year. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for what God has done today? Hey, stand up with me as we end today. Let's just worship. As we end today, as we go out, let's just continue to adore, continue to worship, continue to lift His name high. Let's sing together this morning.